got an awesome guest with us here today. We have Tony Parks, a famous, famous broadcaster, sports broadcaster here in the Utah area. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of Utah listeners, so we're excited to have Tony on. Tony has his own podcast. He's been doing a lot of stuff with the Utah Jazz NBA for a super long time. He's done stuff with the Salt Lake Bees for a long time and many more things. So, uh, Tony, first off, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm always I'm always up for talking football, but of course, you know, with the football talk, some of it's been on the down, you know. It really uh, has. So yeah. when you said, yeah, let's talk some NFL, I'm like, yeah, because the college football conversation is, is uh, man, that's a heartbreaker for dang Yeah, sure. it, it's been bleak today, to say the least. Uh, oh. A lot of reports saying that everybody's opting out, um, led by the Mountain West that did that actually have has done it. The, Ma- uh, the MAC has done it. Uh, Big Ten basically has said they're going to without officially doing it. Reports are 12 of the 14 presidents voted it down, so we'll see there, but... I mean, I still have hope that the ACC and SEC stays strong and gets guys from the uh, even Pac-12 and Big 12 over to their conference. Yeah, right. Just for for some sort of – and then we might have a situation where maybe we get fall college football and then spring college football. You know, now – Exactly. You make something very clear. I know that even moving into spring is going to alter some careers and jobs, and and that that is where my heart breaks the most. But I will say as a fan – to be able to go then from, let's say, you know, Labor Day weekend through, gosh, Memorial Day weekend, maybe that would be fine with college so, football. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, as much as it would suck having fall and winter football, and then all of a sudden you just go to spring and then you're back into fall again. There's no off season for the next year and a half. Right. It actually would be fun. No, you would. You'd have to believe they would suspend the start of the season, right? In 20, have to. the fall. And then maybe 22, you get closer to the normal schedule. And, you know, I used to be a voter in the AP poll. And I got to tell you, I don't know how you would keep any of that straight with with trying to vote on any of those teams. But uh, (laughs) for for the 60 of you who are in there now, good luck. Yeah. So speaking of that, how did you get into the AP uh, voting? So it was a it was a crazy situation. But we had a, um, you know, just as a member of the media. Had a guy reach out to me um, that has done great stuff, and he's worked with the Associated Press, and he's connected to, like, the ballot and a lot of different things they do. And uh, I was with my wife. We were at a special event uh, with some families at Disneyland, and it it almost seemed like a joke, like the email I was getting. But uh, read it over, and they said, hey, we just – we like your stuff. We like that you kind of – you're very honest, direct. You know what I mean? Like you're – uh, you, you, uh, you seem to want to get the answer that's right. Not necessarily the one that everybody wants to hear. So, Hey, we think you'd be really, really good for this. And, and you know, your stuff and it's kind of a nice compliment to be trusted with something like that. Absolutely. I'll be honest. I took that very seriously. I took that as seriously as anything, you know, that impacts jobs that impacts, you know, people with awards. Um, I was also on the all American selection committee, which was great. Uh, there was 16 of us who, you know, as throughout the season, you you know you're keeping a close eye on a lot of things. Uh, it was great. So for Ralph Russo to have that kind of trust in me, Kareem Copeland, so many different people uh, that said, "Hey man, we we think you're great with this." Um, you know, it turned out really well. Now the weird thing is, the AP then had a, a rule that whatever news source you worked with, you had to use. You had to be like an AP correspondent. I forget exactly the the wording on it, but our radio station was not. So that's why they had to move elsewhere. But I, I loved it and um, had a lot of passion for it. Uh, I was up really late on those Saturday nights oh, or really sure. early on those Sunday mornings, just straight through. 
Yeah. And the weird part is you'd get so beleaguered and tired, you would start to be like, am I just randomly forgetting Georgia at seven? You know what I mean? Like that was your For biggest sure. fear was that you were going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah Wisconsin, eight one. Yeah. Right, right. No, yeah. my bad, folks. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't randomly <laughs> drop them out after beating Maryland 45 nothing, you know? Right, so, right. And, and what's crazy is that's actually happened with voters in different things. Um, there was one where a guy left somebody out, and then there was one even with uh, basketball where they had Utah with a, a number 25 vote. And everybody's like, this guy can't be serious. Well, no, he, he meant Utah State. State. He accidentally right. put Utah. Yeah, so – that's Weird awesome. stuff like that happens. And there was one time it happened with me. I'll show you this real quick where I saw somebody tweeted at me like because uh, I was doing basketball at that time, too. And he said, how the hell does Maryland play like that? And you drop them out of the ballot. And I'm like, what are you talking? I had them 20 and I go through. And what I didn't realize I accidentally did at 322 in the morning was that I mentally thought I put them in there when I saw St. Mary's. So I had St. Mary's in Maryland both in there, both around the same area. Yep. And I mentally kept thinking I put them in. So I accidentally had Maryland was at like 21. I accidentally took them out. Now, thankfully oh, it was good. November, but like weird yeah. stuff like that can happen. So, but I loved it. It was great. So do they like, let you like re-enter that or was it just like, Hey, you, you entered it and like, you're, you have to wait until next week. Yeah. At that point we had to wait till next week because gotcha. it was like Wednesday, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, my bad, oh, folks. Yeah. So it's – but, like, a lot of people will be like, how could you make that mistake? And I'll tell you why. Because voters will be up until wee hours of the evening, and you just – yeah, you'll see one thing and mentally think another, and it happens. It does happen. So, so that, that actually brings me to my first question here is, did you ever have this feeling that East Coast people just went to bed, woke up the next morning, and just boxed? scored and just you know like yes. did scouting box score for the for the pac-12 yes. in mountain west yeah 100 yeah. they did i i so a, a number of times like i might even be on the east coast or in the eastern time zone right uh-huh and oh don't get me wrong man it was late i mean two o'clock for a game to end yep. like oh my goodness but well i don't doubt for a second that would happen because when you look at the score it says one thing or you look at stats sometimes that helped west coast teams i thought and other times it hurt so there was one where, oh, I think it was Stanford, UCLA, and Stanford had a couple of scores late, and it made the score look very different than it was. It actually was a really tight game. And I remember the respect that they were getting in different ballots showed that if you actually watched them, they didn't play well that game. They really didn't. Yeah. And so that was one thing that happened. So the other thing I heard, think hurts is Pac-12 Network's not on DirecTV. I think that hurts them. There, there's not a doubt about it. Yeah. Um, so East Coast bias, I think, has much more to do with just not being able to stay up to watch the games to do those things. My, my thing on that, here's the other part I'll say, is if you have somebody who's covering the game, it's much tougher to do the ballot. So right. whatever, let's say you have a five o'clock game, you know, you, you watch the early games or something, then you're getting to the stadium, you're doing your job, you're reporting on the team or the game and all that. Then you're doing the actual game, the post game, the story, the whole thing. And now you have to go back and rehearse it all and find out what's going on. So there was a situation once where week one, uh, what was it? USC. Um, I forget who the new quarterback was. JT Daniels is the new quarterback. What's he going to be like? He played all right. 
the defense gave up like almost 400 yards rushing, but the highlight package they kept showing was USC has found their quarterback. Right. And then every writer went, no, oh, and climbed them up the rankings. I took them out. I am like 20, awesome. 22nd. I took them out and people yeah. were freaking out because I watched the glaring indeficiency of USC. Right. That's my advantage though. You know, For I sure. can't always absolutely. fault people who didn't see it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and it's funny now that JT Daniels is now at Georgia, so I, <laughs> they're, they're quarterback. Um, so um, continuing on this East Coast, West Coast thing and how difficult it really can be, um, what were your thoughts on Christian McCaffrey, and do you think he deserved the Heisman? Yeah. Yeah. O- I do think- Derek Henry. Well, no, I mean, it's it's one of those where deserved. I mean, I've seen years where, gosh, uh, I thought Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning, Randy Moss and Charles Woodson all deserved the Heisman. That, I mean, that was that, man, that was a stacked year. That, now, I, as, a Michigan, as a Michigan fan, I was very happy with the way that turned out. Um, right. No, I, I think he deserved it. He was my vote. Um, but for them to go with Derrick Henry, I don't think that's the blatant example of east coast bias okay? no and i don't think it is either right I was just wondering so, more of like a, if if people were able to stay up later and i don't blame them again it's 2 30 yeah. in the morning people have to sleep you're a human being you know so i get that and also derrick henry was crazy bro. i was about to say let's not forget derrick henry yeah. setting sec records so like but so was christian mccaffrey and i just felt like for me i actually just felt like he deserved more votes i actually yeah. obviously if i was voting i was also 20 years old when this happened, but, um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, I still probably would have voted Derrick Henry just because of the level of competition and what he actually did was truly unbelievable. Yeah, no, he, he was great. And, and so I, I love that you're bringing up this conversation because I've always tried to be very fair about it. I really, really have the PAC 12 has had some years of parody, right? Like 2015, yeah you had a fifth place team that was nine and three, you know, in the division, like a fifth place team in a division. Utah was nine and three. Um, And they had a year where, where Washington went to the playoff and they deserved it. And they were even a one loss team. Yep. They also have had years where they are flat out watered down. (laughs) Okay. And it's, it, it pains me to say that, but that's the truth. And so last year there was this argument about the, you know, East coast bias and the PAC 12 doesn't get respect. Because some people were still saying Bama ahead of Utah when they were neck and neck there towards the end oh. of the regular season. And and the point was, I was like, no, anybody who picks Bama, I don't think they're just showing SEC or East Coast bias. No, that's that's errant. So I think sometimes this East Coast bias or this, you know, this conference, like the Pac-12 doesn't get enough love. I think sometimes uh, it's not warranted. And I've tried to be very honest when calling that out because, awesome. quite frankly, the last two years – uh, the Pac-12 has not pulled their weight. I mean, they've had a team, you know, or a couple, but then the drop is just way too big. I mean, the second place team in the North at one point, I was arguing with somebody about this, at one point last year, the second best team in the Pac-12 North was Oregon State. Right. And then they were talking about the SEC and how everybody, and I'm like, well, let's look at their second place teams. Are you out of your mind? It was Alabama. And then the other team, I think was Florida. And I'm what? like, there's not a discussion here. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, when you have when you have LSU and Alabama having to go head to head to win part of their division, you know, like just their division <laughs> in the conference, like yeah, and you're having to face Oregon State. Let's get out of here. Right. So I'm with you there. Um. So and I I like that because I honestly feel the same way. So I bought as a big Utah fan, uh, season ticket holder for a long time. Uh-huh. Um. 
I just felt like we get overhyped sometimes, and it's I am a firm believer in we play two cupcakey type teams in the preseason, and like we need to take that risk of playing high profile teams, just like how LSU does. I mean, Oregon does it to a standpoint as well. Like Oregon always plays some tough teams, so I love that. Like we're going to Florida soon in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, we're gonna have that. I think that's huge. Even a loss, like we should, we proved this with Oregon last year. Even if you lose a very tough game early in the season, then you run the table later on. It's not going to like hurt you that badly because Oregon was still in the conversation until they lost to Arizona State. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that that is so much better than playing. And I'm not trying to talk down on teams, but like a Montana State or something like that. Like we know a Utah yeah. 12 team just is superior. They just have superior athletes, and that's just a reality of it as a Pac-12 team. Like you have resources sure. that other teams don't have. Here's what's interesting is I've seen that cut both ways because I also saw Washington when they made the playoff, right? Yep. They watered down that non-con and actually had some performances that weren't as good as you'd want to see out of a playoff team, but they escaped and that eventually didn't come back to get them. Right. So it's kind of weird if Oregon would have played a weak non-con mm-hmm. and then Arizona State was their one trip up, would they have been in, right? So yeah. it's... It's this weird thing where it's so hard, man, because I try to explain to people the best way, because uh, every time that the rankings and the how it should go conversation, it's always, all right, are we going to talk about the way it should be or the way it is? Okay, because the way it should be, my opinion, is that this is one giant SAT. That's what it is. Every snap counts. Everything counts. So I remember one yeah. time Washington State lost to Eastern Washington or Portland State early in the year. And uh-huh. then they, they, they start off like 0-2, and, and then they ripped off like eight in a row. They looked amazing, right? Right. And I still didn't have them in the, the top 25. People were freaking out. They were like, well, that was all the way back in early September. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a calendar bias. I don't yeah. care when. Like, it's still a black eye. Like, what are you talking about? Like, because we have 130 teams. We have 12 games. We have all these weird, unbalanced schedules, and you have to try and formulate exactly how to do it. So exactly. the the things I never believed in, I never believed in calendar bias. I never believed in predictive voting. I never believed in um, transitive property, right? Like this team beat that team, which they beat that team and that beat that team. No, 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 no. Just grade it. Grade it all the way out. So it was always, it was always a challenge so often. I also didn't believe in clinging to my hope that they would fulfill my preseason expectation. No, if Wisconsin loses to BYU early in the year, take a back seat. You know what I mean? Like that's it. And then if if I'm grading you on those three games, that's it. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times I think voters really struggle like, well, that loss was early and it was on the road and, and it was on a Friday. I was like, what are we talking about here? What? Still the game, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like you, you, it's hard, but you can't use the, you can't give vouchers to one team and then turn around to the other team and be like, but they don't get that. You know, yeah. uh, here's the other one. I love people cry and whine about these SEC teams play eight conference games. And then they're always playing the Citadel in November. Yeah. <laughs> well, you play those teams in, in September. Exactly. So you just flipped it. It doesn't. Well, yeah, but we play them early. So then start playing them late. Like change it. What are you talking about? And by the way, yes, the SEC plays eight games. I wish they play nine. I got it. Yep. But look at their non-cons, you know? Yep. Alabama's playing teams every year. They're playing some big boy somewhere in Dallas like they were going to this year. So yeah, it's it's see. always hard, like the popular narrative, and then you got to kind of get to the truth. 
Exactly. No, totally agree. I love that. I love that. All right. Okay. That's what I, I love this conversation. You go all day. Yeah. Yeah. All it's all there. Um, so you're also a huge Bears fan moving hey. over to NFL here. So um, obviously that's from Utah. Uh, Jalen Johnson, big name cornerback for us. We've loved him for multiple years here. You guys end up, I think, getting a steal with him in the second round. I, mm-hmm. I really thought that he had a I thought he had a good chance of going to the Chiefs at 32. Like, they desperately uh-huh. needed yes. a cornerback. I was like, he fits the mold. This is what they're going to Obviously, they end up going Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which makes sense. You want that offense. And with Damian Williams opting out, it actually makes even more sense for them. But given right. you didn't know that that was going to happen. But um, so, one, how thrilled were you knowing that you got kind of a local guy, a guy that you've been watching for a while? Yeah, so I'll remove the local part for a minute. Just the fan of the Bears part, right? Yeah. Because right when that happened, I'm with you. I thought that's a great steal. I think he's a NFL ready day one step in, even with no preseason. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be Deion Sanders, but I'm saying he he I think is going uh, every time I watched him, uh, even before this previous year, I thought, you know, that that dude's ready. That dude is so ready. His eyes are perfect. The way he plays, his intelligence is all over the place in terms of knowing what's happening. He has great instinct. He has that sixth sense. You love everything about that. Kyle Whittingham does a remarkable job now moving it to the Utah part of training the eyes of defensive backs and training the mind to connect to the eyes. And I know this gets really geeky, but uh, a lot of players have said, wow, when they got there and then coaches started working with them, they felt ahead. You know, like yep. Robert Johnson didn't do anything in the NFL, but he felt ahead in that way. He just needed a lot of other things. Brandon right. Burton talked about how that was an advantage, you know. So not all these guys jump in and say, go catapult to Eric Weddle level, but they can be as ready as possible when they walk in from the mental side of the game. So I think he's definitely there. I love his size. I love everything about it. You know what the guy doesn't do? He doesn't drop interceptions. I love Fuller. He drops an interception once a game. You know, like, no, he finishes the big play. He has a knack for the big play. So, and then with that group that he's going to be working with there, I think he's a terrific natural fit. And I think he can go out there and not just compete, but but be a, a player that's not just a nice addition. I think he can flourish. I'm huge on him. Yeah, I agree. And like he'll be taking Prince of Mer- Mercamora's spot, right? Yep. So that's great. You got Eddie Jackson right behind him. Like yep. if they ever want to play that cover too, which I think he's going to, he'd thrive in, like let that safety be over the top. So I'm with you there. Um, So you have actually who I would say is my favorite wide receiver in the NFL. And that's Allen Robinson. Yes. So um, I'm a Jaguars fan. So one, I was very <laughs> upset when they let him walk and they signed Marquise Lee instead. And I'm just like, you guys are idiots. Like what's going on. Um, but like he is easily the most underrated wide yeah. receiver in the NFL. If you think about who he's had throwing him the ball in his entire career, including college in Christian Hackenberg, and like the stats and things that he put up, it's it's unbelievable. I don't no. know if any other wide receiver really could do it besides maybe the elite of the elite. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you there. And he, he's underrated for a couple reasons. One is I, I think the 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 catches, the yards, the things like that could look a lot better with a better QB. And and many times you'll you'll hear that as a nice little hall pass for a guy who might be underperforming. He's not underperforming. No. I, I mean, I've gone to I mean, my wife and I go to uh, multiple Bears games every year, you know, so watching the, the TV screen is one thing, but a road game and a home game and having a chance to watch him up close, 
you're watching him be one of the best players on the field. The sucky part is some of the numbers may not show it. Yeah. And I'm watching him several times run terrific routes and beat his guy and uh, uh, have the window for the play to be there. And then you're seeing a throw that doesn't even come his direction or a bad read or just a miss, whatever it might be. So the crazy thing with him is, and I would see him like off the camera, but see him away from the play, sagging his neck back with his shoulder slumped. Like you've got to be kidding me. And most times I'm not kidding. Most times I'll be like, that's bad. You don't do that. But there's a part of me last year that was like, yeah, you're right, man. That sucks because you were totally open and he missed you or he made a bad read or he threw it the wrong place. So it, it he is an exceptional player. And I think they have other very good receivers. Now, the receivers last year uh, as a whole, they can make some complaints here, but they were one of the worst in the NFL with drops too. So yeah. with that Bears offense, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot, uh, if it wasn't one thing, it was another. But yep. Allen Robinson is a star. He is a star. Yes. The ability to go up and get the ball, uh, speed, agility, um, a terrific route runner, great hands, makes yep. the tough catch look easy. Um, I think far too often uh, they have let him down, uh, whether it be schematically or whether it be the decision-making uh, by the signal caller. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the wide receivers, um, so it's going to be him and Anthony Miller, I think, will mm-hmm. probably be the top two guys. And I'm a and Austin sadly wasn't able to make it today, but he is also a huge Anthony Miller guy. Yep, and so, me too. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, kind of just said it, but what 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 do you ex- expect from him this season? No, I expect him to be able to go out there, create some separation here and there. But the big thing is, be that speedy receiver that's not afraid to go over the middle. That's a guy that when he was at Memphis, one thing that impressed me most, and it was when I was voting and doing the All-American stuff and all that, is that guy was not afraid of contact. And I love that about him. Um, and they can also utilize him in different ways. And I like the way that Nagy's done that with some you know, sweeps and things like that. Um, so the versatility, I like that a ton. Like him a lot in the slot even more than I would say on the outside. But I think he can have a very good year. But the big thing comes down to consistency as a whole. I mean, you can have – I think they have a great group of receivers, man. But I think the stress and inconsistency of the O-line and of the quarterback play made it look very uh, sporadic and bizarre when it came to the consistency of receivers. Now, the bottom line is they can't use that as a hall pass. they got to go make the plays. But this can be the year that, let's say, Foles gets the job and he's able to be more of that. This can be the year that he can uh, start to blossom even more so uh, than I think people realize. He made the hard catch look easier than I think he got credit for. Uh, great awareness of where he is on the field. I think his skill and, and mental ability there is terrific. And he mentally processes the game very well. So uh, Anthony Miller can can have a breakout year. But I, I think the hardest part for him and the rest of that group is all of the other factors uh, that go into that offense. Yeah. And I I agree with you there. I think that a lot of people, just from me kind of looking on Twitter and just hearing things, I think a lot of people group him and Tariq Cohen together as like gadget players. Yeah. I don't think think Anthony Miller's that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. Like Anthony Miller is not a gadget player. You can make the argument for Tariq Cohen, right? Like 100% well. Right. But. But yeah. Anthony Miller is a straight-up baller on the outside, and I actually like him on the outside and keep Allen Robinson in the slot because I think he thrives in the slot yeah. a little bit more, yeah. yeah so, I guess it depends on, too, on what kind of defense, like how they're playing it, what absolutely. the matchups are going to look like. Because, yeah. yeah, if you can create a mismatch with Allen, do it every day. I don't care. Exactly. I don't care if you put him behind the quarterback, whatever yeah. it takes, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, so I actually read that uh, Allen Robinson ran in the slot last year like 
47% of the time. Interesting. Yeah, and I I, I, I wouldn't have thought that because I would have thought Anthony Miller, right, Uh, Mm -hmm. with the quickness there. But, yeah, just under 50% of the time. And I was like, oh, well, that makes so much more sense. Slot, easier throws for the quarterback. If you're trying to make it as easy for Trubisky as possible to get it to the best wide receiver, you put the best wide receiver closest to the, you know, middle of the field. So. Um, okay, so before I get to quarterback talk, uh, let's talk about David Montgomery. Uh, this, he's come into his second year out of Iowa State. Uh, hear that he's in fantastic shape. Dropped uh, body fat from like 14% yeah. down to like 8%. Gained another like pounds. Here he's looking great. Um, I'm ready to see him as the workhorse, like for real this time. Like Nagy never fully gave it to him last year. I'm ready to see him like be like a 220 carry type guy. Oh, I would love to see that, too. Uh, first of all, yeah, he did the opposite of what I've done during COVID. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> Same with me. I think Same what he did was he took uh, all of that, handed it to me, I inserted, and then that's the way it's gone. Uh, no, I, I'm – so I was huge on him when they got him. I, I really liked him a lot. Um, he's got that, that strength and that power in the legs. Um, I like the way he's falling forward a lot of times. Well, here's the issue with him, and it just seems like such an elementary conversation of football – the offensive line is so bad, blah, but it really is, honestly. Like, unless he's going to pull off a 77 season like Walter Payton, I just, like, right? But this is the kind of guy that, gosh, if you could just give him something around average when it comes to O-line, I think he right. could have an exceptional year. That right. O-line's got to improve significantly. And when you say the workhorse to give it to him more often, I'm with you there. But the issue is they were behind the sticks too often. They were second and long too often. So he yep. can't get some of those carries. Um, sure. Man, that guy was not a problem to fight through anything. I mean, he'd have two guys on him anytime, try to split them, try to get that extra yard. Like, uh, I, I I still do believe in him based on his knack for being able to play, you know, get small when he needs to, his knack to be able to drive with toughness and strength in the legs. He's a violent runner. Um, but man, he had no room last year. It was, yeah. it was abysmal. And um, I think the results showed it. So I, He's that guy that I don't think many people are looking at positively, and I am all in on on Mr. Montgomery. Yeah, yeah, so am I. Um, okay, so we'll talk about quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> one, thank you for taking on the Nick Foles contract from the Jaguars. We we appreciate that as an organization. Um, but <laughs> we're um, like uh, we're like we're like uh, Harry and uh, um, uh, oh my goodness, Harry and Lloyd. We're like, let's pick him up. You yep, know, exactly. You right. Know, whether it's Glenn in a couple of years ago or, you know, let's trade up for Trubisky and let's that Nick Foles guy beat us in a playoff game. Get him. Get him. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um. So with the lack of I mean, given we keep saying lack of practices, but like training camp is technically being almost the same length of time. You just didn't get the little mini camps during the summertime. Right. So like for the most part, you're getting the same amount of practices. So. Um, do you think that Nick Foles finds a way to take the job for week one? Oh, I think he absolutely could take the job for week one. I think that job's there for the taking. Yeah. I mean, Trubisky has done nothing to make me look at his performances and say, that's his job until someone takes it. No, that job's up for grabs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, seriously, there's performances out there. And I, and I, I was going to give the guy a fair shake, but there's performances where he, he hasn't been worth a food stamp. You know, I mean, it's awful. You know, yeah. I mean, you, the game against Philadelphia last year, they don't they don't get a first down in their first five drives. You know, right. uh, this was the most hollow eight and eight team I've ever seen. And we could talk about that in a second. But um, I, I thought, you know, the issues of O line are a problem. I got it. 
that the other problems that exist to the team are real. Um, Mitch Trubisky is not the only problem, but he is not the answer. And I do think he's the biggest problem. And that's not just because he's the quarterback. I, I, I truly believe uh, that his development is not where I wanted it to be. And so this is where Pace and Nagy have really found themselves in a tough spot. Pace made this move. He doesn't want to be wrong. He went all in for this guy, all right? Right. And then uh, Nagy, there's no way Nagy sat in that interview and was like, I don't really know what I can do with this guy. And they were like, you're hired. No, he had to convince Pace, I can turn this guy into something great. Oh my gosh, just let me get to work with him. Well, both of them have been wrong here. So now they folded that card. Now they've got to see what they can get out of this competition. And if Foles can turn out to be something really good, they could salvage their jobs. And that's what they're trying to do. Exactly. But, but the point is, Trubisky, I mean, the other thing I'll say about Trubisky is it's not the Watson and Mahomes success that frustrates me about Trubisky. It's being so wrong about a guy that you gave up so much for. So, exactly. like, in the NBA, right? Don't be upset you missed on Kawhi Leonard. Be upset whoever you drafted didn't turn out very good. Yep. That's what needs to happen, right? So, exactly. anyway. If, if Trubisky was, you know, 80, 85 percent of those guys, I'd be like, OK, but they they still got a guy they liked. They just happened to be wrong about the other two. Well, not only were they wrong about the other two, I think they were woefully incorrect uh, about Mitch. Woefully. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, they came out of a bye week last year. We were there that game against New Orleans yep. Came out of a bye week. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm like, how <laughs> how did you have 14 days off? And this is what you look like. It was. It was embarrassing, you know? It, it can be, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so you talked about going 8-8 eight and eight last year. Um, so when we did our rankings last year and our predictions, we actually both had them going – Austin and I both said 7-9 and nine for you guys just because – not because we thought you guys would take a step back, more just we thought the division was going to get a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah which and the, the schedule was tougher. Yeah, did, oh. yeah, exactly, right? And, like, oh. when you come out of nowhere, you kind of can catch teams off guard, which you guys did two years ago. Like, every team does that, right? Like, when they are – you go from a non-playoff team to being number one seed in, in the conference, um, you know, that's what happens. So – um, what is your thoughts on how everything else in that division is going with the Vikings and with the Packers and their questionable draft, we can say? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, what, what's your thoughts here on the division? Well, I, I, I don't think any of those other three teams are invincible. I mean, we do we really have to talk about the Lions, right? Like, <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> you know, I uh, I was at the Bears-Lions game last year, and I just thought to myself, like, you know, I watched the Lions for the same reason why I watched the Jerry Springer show, you know? <laughs> just every now and again, I get to be like, you know what, at least I'm not that guy. You know, at least yeah. we're not those guys. As bad as it is, at least we're not those guys, right? Like, that's the way it is. <laughs> oh so, no, I and I got a lot of Lions friends, so that's totally a shot at them. Um, but, no, the, the Vikings, I, I don't, I mean... Last year, the Bears even matched up really well with them, and they swept them in the reg, right? And and Green Bay is the best team in that division. Um, but gosh, I thought they could have and probably should have had a much better draft if they wanted to get serious about this year. I, I just – I could see why those fans were so upset. I, I think I would have been too. And so you look at them and you like I, – I feel like the Packers can have a great year and they can be a light contender. But then you, you see, you know, against San Francisco or something like that, a team along those lines – that there's clearly a drop-off. Uh, the issue I have for the Bears is, look, they, they took that step back, and 
The other reason why I didn't think it'd be a great year, and it's funny you say that, because I said eight and eight at very best. And the one reason why, you know this, you shuffle the deck again in the NFL. Every time you shuffle that deck, you get a wide variety of, of different results, right? And the hard part is people will say, well, you know, you have a lot of eight and eight teams that, gosh, they could very easily be 11 and five. You look at this and you look at that. And I go, sure. But that team last that that team was not in that conversation. Not at all. Right. And the other reason why I didn't think it would go well was, look, I, I know that Nagy was able to kind of dink and dunk and have his gizmos and gadgets. And those are nice. You can only do that for so long. And so I knew they were going to run out of that. I was like, now Mitch has to be good. And when they lost that game 10 to three to Green Bay week one, and you heard Green Bay said, yeah, we just, the game plan was we have to make him play quarterback. I went, we're done. It's over. Like it, and my wife, who's a huge Bears fan, oh, loves this team. Like just uh, her Sunday is not right if they don't win. And, and she said to me, she goes, oh, you think we're just done? Like, that's it? You're, I'm like, no, no, no. That, if he can't play quarterback, if that was their game plan yeah. and the game turned out like that, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And so they turn out eight and eight. They had uh, nine games I would label against subpar teams. One of them was the last game of the year against Minnesota, not playing anybody. Right. Yep. And then you just look at all those games. What the giants, the uh, Detroit, Detroit, Washington, Denver, um, the, even Dallas, uh, Oakland, the chargers that they gave away. They were seven and two in those games. They played three teams that I would say, you know, are like pretenders at least when they played them. And that's Minnesota. And they, that was their best performance of the year. 16 to six got like six sacks or something like that. Uh, the Rams, they scored one touchdown and they didn't look good. Most of that game. And we talked about Philadelphia where they couldn't, I mean, they at halftime, I think had like five yards or something stupid like that. And then they had four games against actual contenders. This was the most eye opening thing to me. Four games against contenders. What was it? KC, New Orleans, Green Bay, uh, Green Bay. They had one meaningful offensive touchdown in those four games. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, so when you right. got Nagy and company going, hey, we weren't that far from being where we are. The ball bounces here and it doesn't. It. No, you weren't. And your defense was 21st in takeaways. So you went from being a team that thrived off takeaways to a team that survived off takeaways. Big difference in the NFL when that happens. So they were a very hollow eight and eight. 100%. Um, it's funny you said that because I actually kind of think that that might be what the Packers be this year. Um, just because they last year. So let's go back to 2018. They had seven games where it was a six point game or less and uh -huh. they went yep. one and six last year they had nine and they went eight and one <laughs> and it's just like that's not you can't keep that up like winning right. close games like as much as you want to say it's a skill a lot of it is also luck that the ball bounces your way sometimes and you know history shows that you're not going to go eight and one in games that are six points or less um so i actually think that they do take a step back i still think they probably can win 10 games but rather than 13 and 3 that they were last year maybe they drop to 10 and 6 maybe they even go 9 and 7 yeah um, and i could see this division being a whole bunch of like those 9 and 7 type teams and it's just like 
who beat who to have the head-to-head <laughs> in that division. Like, I yeah. really could see that with those three teams with the Lions um, a step back. Given, I still do think that that Lions team can be better once Stafford is there, but the question is, does Stafford actually stay healthy? Um, that defense, does it actually improve or not? Who knows? Problems. So, they have, they, they have so many problems to even start. I mean, it's so crazy. But no, I, I so I have Green Bay 11 and 5. Okay. But I have them more as a pretender 11 and 5. Yeah. 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 And, and they'll be in that battle for that bye week, maybe. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. They'll be right in the, in the mix for that. Like even last year, which we all knew, what was it when Detroit had that lead in that week 17 game? And I was like, oh, they're so going to blow this game. 100%. This is, like, <laughs> this is just too good to be true. And they blow it. And then Green Bay gets the bye and all of that. But the the weird thing is, yeah, they go to the NFC Championship game. I think Aaron Rodgers has done everything he can to squeeze every drop out of the orange of what that group is. Yeah. I think they've actually very much over overachieved. So it's interesting to hear you say that they may be that kind of team because this could be maybe that shuffling of the deck where they don't overachieve. They just yeah. – that's what they are. That's what they are. Um, exactly. Yeah, because when, like when they – I remember I was, um, I was uh, watching that – uh, Packers um, uh, 49er game. I think it was a Sunday night football game, maybe. Yep. Yep. And I I remember thinking like, no, the gap is the gap's big. The gap's big between the, yeah. the contenders and the pretenders. And every now and again, a pretender will get to the NFC title game and da da da. And and I don't think that's the first time Aaron's done that. You know. Yeah. Aaron's taken sure. teams that have no business being in an NFC title game and get throttled by you know Atlanta. But that's exactly. You know, people instead are, are bashing that team or maybe Aaron and he doesn't show up for these games. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not Aaron's fault that you're de- the middle of your defense is weak and you could just run over. Same play by Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> like, same play, same dive. Like, mm-hmm. like, come on. Like, you, you're not tough in the middle. That's what happens on your defense. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though. His his ultimate, ultimate elite level. Because at his very best, he's as good as anybody I've ever seen. 100%. That is at his very – like that 15 in one year, and I know they lost in the divisional round, but like that was amazing. And then his Super Bowl year in that run was – I mean he had some throws in that Super Bowl that were incredible. But I thought his ultimate, ultimate prime that he would be in that bubble for a little longer than he was. So do I. I really believe that. So do I. And I do think it would help if you had someone else besides Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is amazing. But you, right. need, you need another weapon, and sorry because you guys signed him, but Jimmy Graham's not that answer. Right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Almost got away with talking with not talking about it. Yeah, but. I know. Every now and again we make some moves, and I'm like, all right. Great. It's like, it's like the movie Major League where uh, Jake Taylor gets – Yes. Oh, wasn't he an all-star? <laughs> They're like, uh, well, yeah. They're like, oh. I wish we had him two years ago or whatever. And they're like, oh, we did. All right, never mind. I wish we had him four years ago. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, awesome. Just keep, you just keep going back into the, into yep. the timeline. It's crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but that division, that division, I, I, I just feel it's predictable. I really do. It just feels Green Bay, even if it's tight at the top, like you're talking about. Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree there. Um Depending on Dalvin Cook's health um, and what Justin Jefferson does as a rookie, um, that's going to be very telling for Minnesota. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's going to be see. It's going to be interesting to watch 
what does Adam Thielen be when he's the guy and he doesn't have Stefan Diggs opposite of him, plus Justin Jefferson, who I loved. I had as my wide receiver three in this draft, um, what he does. But the problem is they both are – they thrive in the slot. You can't both be in the slot, so who's going to be taking that outside? From reports, it sounds like Thielen's going to be going outside, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because they're going to run two wide outs, two yeah. tight ends. Like, that's just see, what they're going to do. I like it the play. other way around. I don't know what Me you think. Too. I, I like I it the other way around. I think, gosh, man, I think you got a big-time player, right? And, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Thielen. So, uh, when they say, you know, what can he be when he's the number one? Oh, I, I think he's going to be very good, actually. But I, I there's some things I really like about Minnesota a lot, actually. Yeah. But that I'm curious to see in the mix of that, how they play along with that. Because if, if the answer needs to be the other way around, they've got to go there. Um, because that's why you picked him. And you've got a target that I think can be very reliable and be a game-changing type player. I, I was really big on that fit. Now, <laughs> they, I mean, Kirk Cousins, to be a little more accurate more often, he'll have some great games. But I, yep. I'll say I, I thought he'd be better than he has been at Minnesota. Agreed, agreed. Um, and that defense is just going to be totally different. Like you have a, a Zimmer defense that you're like, hey, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard-nosed. But then like you, you now don't have Griffin, and you literally got rid of – five cornerbacks yep like like what is this defense going to be and so like we all everybody's talking about like did the packers really improve we can say that against the the vikings did they improve at all like they yeah. again, they get jefferson but like they lost a ton it's interesting yeah minnesota out of all the teams in the nfc tell me if you agree with this or not i feel like minnesota is the one that i feel like could be the biggest and when i say wild card i'm not talking wild card weekend on the road team. I'm talking like the, the, it could go one way or the other for them. It really could because like the unknowns involving that, what they got at receiver now, like uh, I think Cook can take, uh, I think he has another level uh, that he can reach to. Um, and if Kirk could be a little more uh, accurate more often, like that's one of those teams where I'm like, you know what? They could have a really dynamic year. There's just something about them that always makes me feel like, I don't know, man. You guys will show it for a while and then drop back and then, you know, fall apart for two weeks. And it's a, I got a couple of friends that are big Vikings fans and they, they tell me all the time about the historic way that they go about their business. And, you know, I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure what to expect from them, but that could be a good thing for Minnesota fans. Agreed. Uh, the only other NFC team I would put in that conversation is the Atlanta Falcons. I actually Ooh. see those two as the exact same of like, they can go on a tear <laughs> and it's just like, this is the best team in the NFL. And then like, they beat the 49ers last year when nobody thought they would. And then they went on this terror. They won like six of eight to end the season. Yeah. But then it's like, but yeah, we all remember September and October when you guys couldn't score a point and you couldn't oh stop anybody. Gosh. Right. Yeah. So, well, they're okay. So that division more than any, it's like, I don't know. Your guess feels as good as mine sometimes. Just the way that uh, I think New Orleans will be really, really good. Right. Like yep. Tampa with uh, Tom Brady. Okay. Let's. Let's find out what we got here, right? Carolina, yep. I've had years where I didn't think they were going to be much, and all of a sudden they're, you know, tearing it up. And then you, you know, you end up with Atlanta. So, yeah, like you said, the way that the the musical chairs have existed with the NFC South, yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so one more question, two more questions. So yeah. first off, since you, it sounds like you have some predictions on some rankings, so who do you have if you had to say AFC NFC Championship games? Who are the four teams? Oh man throwing it at you all right all right i'm gonna do this i think i think the san francisco 49ers are going back to the nfc title game okay i do yeah man 
And the Garoppolo thing, like, yes, he missed on the second and nine. He missed when he should have connected. And they lost the Super Bowl because he couldn't make some of the timely throws to put the dang game away. Got it. He's still a good QB. And that organization is very well run. They've got a great head coach. They've got a great GM. They've got great leadership. So I I actually am picking the San Francisco 49ers to go back to the NFC title game. Um, And then I think they're going to play up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm I'm big on the way they've put together the roster. Call me a Michigan homer all you want. I'm I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, to make their way back there. And and what I think will be uh, a really fun NFC this year. I I think it's going to be so exciting. And then it's bizarre, like, not having – New England with Tom Brady to just be like, well, New England, we yeah, all know exactly. that because Tom Brady just rolls out of bed and goes to the AFC championship game. Uh, I think, I think Kansas city is about to put together a, a tremendous dynasty. If they can, I mean, seriously, I, it, it, and I'm, I'm not just dealing with the recency of them winning the Super Bowl. They've got one of the most incredible athletes and brains as a quarterback com, uh, combined yeah. that I think we've ever seen. Um, and it's freakish, man. And then his weapons to go with it, the way they use the weapons. I mean, it, this is – Kansas City could be primed to, to put together a good run of, of quality years here. So I, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. And then picking that other team, man, that's where this one gets, I, I think, really fun and interesting. Um, you know, circling around and looking at different guys at different teams. That's, that's the one where I'm just like, man, scattering my brain because – uh, Tennessee, I know they were there last year, but I, I think it's going to be much tougher for them to replicate something like that. I love Baltimore. I love Lamar. Something tells me the way they were able to do that is going to be too tough. I'm leaning Baltimore on this, but man, the NFL is a crazy, crazy crapshoot. So I very uncomfortably will say the Ravens. I, I like John Harbaugh a lot, and I, I, I like the way that they uh, operate as a group. And I, I think that Lamar is one of the most mislabeled quarterbacks I have ever seen in the history of the NFL. I, I still remember going right into that divisional game and a guy that I had worked with goes, you know, they just got to make him throw. And I went, Oh my gosh, really? Like you, you think he can't throw? Oh, like, I know. Like really, you really believe that, you know? And then on the other side, I, I, I don't think, you know, he's right there with Mahomes. I think Mahomes is, is, maybe on another planet at the time. So yeah. anyway, uh, I, it, it's almost like I got to calm some people down and then others I've got to be like, yo, he was deserving of that award. So yeah. sit down and shut up. He's not just a runner here. Exactly. I love that. So Austin, who's not here, he's from Kansas city. How yeah. Utah kid and Kansas city kid met, met up. Don't, don't worry about it. But, um, <laughs> but so he's obviously a huge KC fan and huge Mahomes guy. So he would, lo- he's going to love this. He also does not like Lamar Jackson. Um, I think it's just Why? because it's, I think it's because he's getting grouped in as it's those two above everybody else. And he feels like it's a disrespect to Mahomes. Or also, we I won a bet last year because I said Lamar Jackson was going to take a huge step forward and and Baltimore was going to win the division and he said no way that happens and I won the bet. Yeah, so, um, an MVP trophy. Like, well, hey. exactly. Right? <laughs> so um, so he'll love hearing this. Um, okay. Yeah, I think KC question. repeats. I think KC repeats. If they're healthy, I think they repeat. I, I really I still think they're they're that good. Usually the NFL, I'm like, oh. Hold on. 
you don't realize how this works, but I, I think they've got the roster and they've got the personnel and leadership. And, and it's, I don't see Mahomes like <clears throat> going Joe Flacco where, you know, you're never quite sure. Yeah. Like th- this dude's going to stay at the top for a while. Yeah. For a long time. Right. And it was huge getting Chris Jones back. Um, I've been very vocal that I think that he actually deserved, uh, Super Bowl MVP because I think that what he did to mess up Jimmy G in that second half interesting the game and so that's sure. and given defensive players besides the Tampa Bay year defensive players never really win that award but I was like I think he really did deserve it um, yeah it happened like I'm trying to think of how many times the defense players should have won it and didn't um Ty Law the yep. first year the Patriots won the Super Bowl I thought he was by far I mean it was like wow dude they gave it to Tom Brady I thought um I guess it wasn't a defense player. I thought Dominic Rhodes should have won it the first year Peyton Manning did with the, the Colts winning the Super Bowl. Correct. I'm trying to – there's a few times that I can think of it. But, you know, Ray Lewis, Richard Dent, uh, Dexter Jackson, like you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, yeah. O- it, 07, it probably should have been the whole Giants defensive line. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> yeah. Just a team group award. Um, Great point. So I love I loved the Niners pick. Um I actually am on the other side of saying that I actually think it's Seattle. Um, so Seattle is like my Super Bowl favorite. Um, I think that they, I think they're prime. And this was before the Jamal Adams trade. Um, I think that they still need a pass rusher. So I think they still need to find a way to get Clowney yeah. back or trade for like a Yanni Kangakwe. I think that that's the one piece they're missing. But offensively, I think that they're just primed. I think the offensive line has improved. Metcalf and freaking uh, Lockett are awesome. You got... Carson, who's amazing. You got if Penny comes back, I just feel like, and then Russ is just going to be Russ or Mr. Unlimited, whatever. Well, you okay, want. Yeah, so I like your Seattle call. I really, really do. Um, I wasn't so big on the Tampa thing, and because you would end up having to win three road games to get back, right? So that's I'm picking the 49ers, and I'm going uh, like because Seattle was another team I'm thinking of, but that the NFL needs to change that. Yes, that's the can. gap between first and second to your division could be first and fifth in seeding. That's horrible. But th- that that's one reason why I wasn't quite going there, whereas I think Tampa will have, you know, racking up several wins. They even have the Bears on the schedule, so there you go. Um, but the, uh, the the one thing I look at with that, and I, and I like that you're picking it, Russell Wilson last year, and I, I'm not a big uh, fantasy football guy. I don't hate it. I just, I'm just doing too much other stuff. So uh, I don't know what the numbers necessarily always came out to be. But when I was watching him, I thought, I'll be darned. That dude does have like another level like that dude. And I've always had to like defend him, stand up for him. Uh, Once had a a guy I worked with like full on hyperventilating over me, putting him over Alex Smith. And and then they won the Super Bowl that year. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was it was a little tense around the office. Uh, And you fans were just furious with me. I'm sure furious with me. Yeah. yeah, that was one of those victories. You just, yeah, you just, you just walk away and don't say anything. But the, but Russell Wilson to me, I thought he showed something last year. I was like, man, he's taking games over to an even bigger level, and he makes plays that really maybe nobody else can. The the weird bad snap at Minnesota in that playoff game where he chases it and scoops it up and turns around and throws it for a huge gain. You know the. Uh, he had the one big throw uh, in that NFC title game where he got out of a sack, I want to say, against the 49ers. People yep. remember the Sherman deflection, but he made a couple plays there where I'm like, wow, dude. So there's there's something to the magic of Russell Wilson there that there I'm, I'm willing to listen to. I'm, I, I'm curious about defensively, what can they do with consistency? What can they do when, with pass rush? Can they have that as often as they need to? So we'll see. I, I think that's a, 
an interesting pick. Yeah. Um, you almost get this, like, w- with Russell, his magic. His is more consistent, but I always think of, like, Tony Romo, that he would always make, like, one play every two or three games of, like, escaping, and you're just like, wait, how did you do that? But the difference is, is Russell does it every single game, and you're just like, this is amazing. This so, guy's um, magical, yeah. And yeah, throw, it well, is. And, and I still feel like I, – I still say this, and I, I know – I don't care for the Cowboys, trust me, but I, I feel like uh, if Tony Romo could have been with a different organization, I truly believe he could have had, like, a no-doubt Hall of Fame career. Agreed. Agreed. Like, like seriously. He yeah. had that kind of talent. He, he 100% did, and you saw it. Like, they were the number one team in the NFC multiple years because of him. So, agreed there. Um, okay, so one thing that we always ask all of our – Guests, um, my cleat, my cause, NFL players yeah. wear it, and uh, my wife randomly came up with this question. She's like, "You start asking your guests this," and we're like, "That's a great idea. Well, I should listen did. to you more, wife." Um, so, <laughs> um, advice. Yeah. L- luckily, she only listens to the first like five minutes of our podcast, so she won't hear me actually say that. But um, so, what would be your cleat that you would wear, and what uh, organization or cause would you support? Well, it's actually really cool because. Um, uh, a player has worn these cleats before, and this uh, foundation means so very much to me and my wife. Uh, that is the Hayes Tough Foundation. Uh, Eric Weddle wore the cleats for that, um, and that is uh, uh, to join in the fight against childhood cancer. Um, that is something my wife and I are very, very passionate about. Um, we together were able to uh, uh, fight for a um, – a uh, young lady who became very good friends of our family named Harper. Um, and then she's continued to uh, uh, battle that fight and, and battle and battle and, and has survived. And uh, we're so proud of her. She's going to have her first haircut here soon. And my wife, who's a stylist, is going to uh, cut her hair. And so it's 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 very, very important to me. Um, it's so serious. And the, the Hayes Tough Foundation, which, of course, was uh, created by um, uh, Stephen Savannah Tate uh, after their son Hayes. Uh, one of their triplets had passed away uh, after his, his battle with cancer. And Hayes is uh, as tough as, as any of them out there. And what is also uh, something very special to my wife and I is watching the way that Steve and Savannah have continued to honor their son, have continued to make sure that their son is not a taboo subject, and then also uh, be able to break through what is a very discomfort, a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people and be able to try and turn that pain into production. Uh, that means a lot to me because Hayes, uh, their son, is uh, friends uh, with my two daughters in a, a very beautiful playground in some very special place. And so uh, that connection is very deep into our hearts. And so uh, anybody out there who could ever spare a couple of dollars, uh, the Hayes Tough Foundation, you will know a couple of things. It will go to the, uh, the right place no matter what. Uh, it will come from the best place no matter what. Uh, and it will do nothing more but uh, to try and put more smiles on the faces of people who are uh, facing an unimaginable tragedy. So Hayes Tough Foundation, that's my call. That's amazing. Uh, we'll be sure to post the link when we post this uh, podcast tomorrow. So thank just, you, uh, man. Of course, of course. Um, and great story there. So um, I obviously know your background and everything. So um, that's amazing right there. Thanks. Um, so. Where else can we find you? I know that you're on Twitter at Tony Parks 801. Um, what about your podcast? Oh, the podcast. Yeah, the Tony Parks podcast. Check it out. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, and more in the Utah Podcast Network. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, doing that, being a part of that, and putting together shows. Uh, so much happening. And, then, and, and it's, it's great to have 
We have some good in-depth discussion. I don't know how much you've had a, a chance to listen to the podcast, but I try to go even more underneath the surface of what's going on and, and to get into some unique details. And so I have a segment on a lot of my episodes called uh, Lifting the Curtain, where I take you through a behind-the-scenes story that maybe I wouldn't have been able to tell or just didn't have the time to tell uh, that I think the listener might find unique uh, from my years of uh, covering NBA teams and you know being around college football and having fun and, and being involved in a, a number of different things. So I think the listener really like it. Uh, we have great conversation about different sports, different things, but then uh, all of our interviews, you know, whether it's someone with Frank Layden or Steve Klauke or Thoreau Bailey, uh, we, we have some, some untold stories like uh, Frank Layden coaching against Donald Trump in basketball. You'll love that story. So make yeah. sure you tune in for that. That's <laughs> awesome. Frank, had, Frank had some very strong words for Donald's game. <laughs> both in the office and on the hardwood. So, <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. Hey, Frank, hey, he's Frank straight Brooklyn, man. He goes all the way. So, uh, he, he was great. So it's, it's kind of a nice thing where we're able to really get underneath the surface of what you're used to hearing with some of the conversations of these people. So, and, and we're going to have even better content coming in the future. It'll be fun. That's awesome. Okay. Be sure to check it out. Um, but that does it for our episode tonight. So everybody, we appreciate you guys. Again, you can find Tony at Tony Parks 801 on Twitter and check out his podcast. We appreciate it. And tonight we've been talking football.